Garrett Bova. Good morning, guys. Thanks, Steve. Steve does everything for us in this house. Uh, it's good to see you guys this morning. We've uh, just, uh, man, what a blessing. Thank you, guys. So good. So wonderful. Um, it's good to see more chairs in the room. We've been doing that. That's, that's always a good thing. More chairs, more people. So good. Guys, uh, today is the, the start of the church, Pentecost. And um, how many of you believe that and understand that, that wasn't the day that like church services started becoming available to people? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, the, I, I was actually sharing the gospel with some friends, and, um, and I was just telling them, you know, okay, hey, like, life wasn't always like this for mankind. Like, we didn't always have a relationship to God in the Spirit. Uh, and, and I was explaining how, you know, that, that again, that wasn't always the case. There was, there was death that just reigned over people. They had separation from God, and then, you know, after Christ, it, it's, we live in a whole different day and age now. Like, it's, the game got switched. It's a, it's a whole different world we get to live in, uh, in terms of our relationship with God. And, and, uh, and, and she asked, she's like, when did, well, when did that start? Like, when did that happen? And, and it was on this day of Pentecost that we now get to share in this totally different relationship with God. And that is by way of the Holy Spirit. Uh, on the day of Pentecost, first, the Pente- Pentecost is, is one of three of the main Jewish festivals. So um, for those of you that uh, aren't too familiar with that term or that name, um, it, it was one of the festivals that all the Jews would come and, and, and just celebrate. And uh, they would come from all over. They'd come to Jerusalem. And then it was this day that God chose to actually pour forth the Holy Spirit through His Son, Jesus Christ, to make available to mankind so that now power was in people. Now people could be uh, regenerated by way of the Holy Spirit, rejuvenated, um, or excuse me, um, um, uh, not, not rejuvenated, but yes, that is part of it, um, a, a, a regeneration. That means to be born again, okay? So now people could be body, soul, and what? Spirit, spirit. yeah. So this was, this was that renewal of the spirit. It was lost, now it was made forth again, and, and with that comes a lot of power. And, um, and obviously, just living in, in our original design, and that is to be in relationship with God by way of the Spirit. And so um, I want to share something with you, which, uh, which I'm calling the great reversal, okay? This is the great reversal. And we, we get some insight into this in, in Romans. So Paul's writing to the church at Rome, and I want to start in chapter 5. We're going to read, I think maybe I got five passages here for us. They're a little bit meaty. Um, stick with me. I'm going I'm to work to explain it with you. We'll ha- we, we got them here. If you have Bibles at home, pull them out. Um, but read along with me, and then we'll just go from there. So uh, Paul's writing to the church at Rome, and he explains this, uh, this reversal. Okay? And for if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass, or one false step, 
led to condemnation for all men. So one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so as by one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. All right, so this is that, you know, it was lost. One man screwed it up, Adam, he sinned, and that, that therefore brought death and sin throughout all of mankind after. It says the death reigned after that one mistake. Okay, well, God comes in, brings this great reversal, and because of now one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. And so I want to jump to chapter 8 of Romans, and we're going to start in verse 1. It says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. A lot of times when I would, I knew this verse, and I would, I would say it to myself like when I felt like guilty or like felt judged by someone or even, you know, again, judged by myself. I would judge myself in a certain way. I'd be like, well, man, there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Like, I shouldn't feel that way. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. And, and that's actually not what the verse is talking about. Uh, you know, if you mess up, you're going to feel guilty. And that should lead you into repentance. And then that leads you into freedom. It leads you into that salvation. What this is talking about is the word condemnation is, is a pronounced sentence over you. That pronounced sentence or that judgment over you was death. So in, in, in light of that understanding, you read it again, it says, there is now therefore no condemnation, no pronounced sentence over your life now that you are in Christ Jesus. You no longer have a death sentence over your life. That's what you used to have. It's like it, it has been removed from you. Verse 2, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, which means and for us and as a sin offering, he condemned sin in the flesh. Pay attention to verse 4. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Man, let that verse, if I had, if I had a, a, John, John, where's John Drake? Give me, give me, a, give me some paint and a brush, man, because I just want to circle that right there. Right there, it says, who walk not according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. Let that thing be highlighted to you. This whole great reversal that God just brought forth in removing death from us was so that or in order that we might fulfill that righteous requirement of the law, which is a people who walk by the Spirit and no longer walk by the flesh. This is what God has intended all along. All along, 
when he's giving instruction to people in the Old Testament and the relationships that he had with them and and different contractual agreements and stuff, like you got to do this, you got to do this. It was all just helping them understand the guidelines of really what living in the Spirit would look like. He knew all along and full well that man could not actually do it. Man could not actually perform that type of life of righteousness, that type of life of living that was perfect in God's eyes and what God had intended. We wouldn't and couldn't fulfill it. Mankind couldn't do it. But this great reversal through the one man's obedience, what that, 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 that whole context right there when we looked at two through four where it says, for God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. What that's talking about is he brought forth his son Something that we couldn't do, his son, Jesus Christ, being born of the Spirit, was not under that condemning sentence, that pronounced death sentence. He didn't have that over him. But God sent him for us as the payment for us, a free man to come and free men. Jesus Christ was a free man, and he came to free us. He laid his life down, it said, and for sin. That means he sent Jesus as a sin offering, that payment for us so that he could reverse it and flip it. Taking away that condemnation, taking away that pronounced death sentence over your life. Why? In order that you and me might fulfill what God has always desired, which is men and women walking not by the flesh, not by just the five senses, but we would walk by the Spirit. It would be a restoration of what happened in the garden, what was there, Adam and Eve living in spirit. They were born, created, body, soul, and spirit. It's a restoration of that because we know that after Adam, after his disobedience, that was lost. So this is really, 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 really good news. <laughs> really good news. All right. Uh, in, uh, in Romans 8, we're going to just keep reading this. Uh, 8.5. Okay. For those... Now, okay, now, remember, we're, we're picking up from verse 4, which says, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Okay. And then Paul writes this. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on what? The things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It goes against what God wants. It does not submit to God's law. It says, indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. We can't be thinking. In, it says uh, that, that when our mind is on the flesh, it's hostile to God. It goes against what God thinks. It goes against his law, the principles 
that God has for us, which is if you're in spirit, you experience life and peace. If you are in the flesh, you're going to experience sin and death. That's a principle in God's, rule, in, in, in God's word, in his, in, his, in his understanding. That's a principle for us to understand. So we cannot receive the Holy Spirit and expect to live a life in peace but still have our minds on the flesh. Still have our minds on, on the five senses realm, what we see with our eyes, what we feel. This is like, this is, this is really, really big for us. Just to understand the Pentecost was the day that the church started. Honestly, guys, doctrinally, that does us really no good if we're not going to operate in what God has intended for us, which is that verse 4, that we would be a people who live by the Spirit. So my encouragement, my, the practical application for us today is where is our mind? Where's our mindset? Is it on the flesh or is it on the Spirit? How many of you know that we can come to church, we can even serve in ministry and still have our minds on the flesh and not be living in the spirit? You can have the spirit of Jesus Christ in you, but you could still have your mind on the flesh and be hostile with God and, and have your mind be hostile with God. In other words, have your mind be somewhere else that God's mind is not. And to live in the Spirit doesn't mean that you're just walking around being like, God, 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 God. No, it's living in the Spirit is to have the Holy Spirit inside of you be at the very control, be at the very center of the control center of your mind, okay? It's to be living from that place where you see Him, And you're living from this eternal life standpoint. Your eternal life, the eternal life standpoint, is a life that is of greater significance than the mortal life that we live today. I'll say that again. Living from the standpoint of eternity, which you now have. When you you confess that Jesus Christ is your Lord and you believe that God raised him from the grave, you receive that Holy Spirit and that is your ticket into eternity. You have eternal life now. If you do not have that, you do not have eternal life now. Once you receive that Spirit, you can now direct your life in accordance with to the wisdom and the knowledge of that spirit. Your eternal life in you is a life that you're living right now where you're living a life, we live a life through the lens of this eternal life being of greater significance than the mortal lives that we lived and the lives that, that, that we're living right now, that this world is going to, to perish, you know? There's things we cannot bring into eternity. Jesus modeled this so perfectly. Jesus didn't come to fix the world. He didn't come to fix all the world's problems. Like, we sometimes get stirred up to do when we're not living in the Spirit. It's easy to get frustrated with the world. It's really easy to get frustrated with all the wrong and all the things aren't going, that aren't going right when you're 
when your mind, when our mind is set on the flesh. And we know, it says, and the mindset on the flesh leads to death. Yeah, it's frustration, anxiety. Like, there's just this, it's just like a deep hole that you just keep digging yourself into. And why isn't that right? Why isn't that right? What about this? What about that? And Jesus didn't come to just fix the world like that, like we feel like we have to at times. No, what he came to do was he was sent with a very specific purpose, and that was to, one, save the world from an eternal death. And he did that by coming and displaying what life would look like as he lived in spirit, as he lived in communion with his father, with his creator. And guess what he also did? He loved people. Those, that, that's what he was sent to do. He was sent to come show us what communion looked like with the creator by way of living in spirit, by speaking things that his father was speaking, doing the things that his father was doing. He didn't, he didn't, Jesus just didn't entangle himself with the, the, the problems and the cares of the world. We think our world right now is such a bad place. I'm not saying it's perfect by no means. It's never been perfect. Do you realize what the Roman Empire was like in their day? The persecution that they, that they were facing? The wrongs that they, that they had against them? But yet Jesus didn't start leading a movement to go to Caesar's front door. He didn't, set up, he didn't set up a Facebook page saying, let's go get this one. Follow me if you're in. Let's go to that ruler. Like, he didn't do that. He just, yeah, I know it's wrong. He didn't, he didn't entangle himself with political matters, detracting him from the purpose he was sent for. And so, I think, you know where I'm going with this. Why would we think that we need to fix the world with our political views and, and opinions and, and, and just getting frustrated. And now, I am not saying, you know, don't vote or don't do anything. I'm not, I'm not saying it, but I'm saying, what are you being led by? That mindset is a mindset of the flesh if you're getting frustrated and bogged down by these mortal things. You were sent with a purpose, and that is in Christ. You were sent to show the world what it looks like to be in communion with your creator, to receive wisdom and knowledge from God himself and to love those around you. It's not to fix people. It's not to fix our country. It's not to fix the state. When Jesus, the, the only record that I can find with, with Jesus' like political view was when someone came up to him and they tried to stump him and they said, what do you say? Should we pay taxes to Caesar or not? And Jesus is like, go get a coin. Whose inscription is on, whose, whose inscription's on that coin? And they said, it's Caesar's. He's like, well, then pay to Caesar what's Caesar's. He just was like, yeah, pay taxes. He could have been like, yeah, you know, taxes are wrong. I don't want to fund that. I don't want to fund that empire. Don't do it. You know, we're part of a, a greater kingdom, God's kingdom. Down with them. Let's revolt. No, he's just like, that's, that kingdom's, that kingdom's it's, it's not going to stand. But I'm here to show you a kingdom that does. I'm here to show you a realm of influence and a power that is far greater than the worldly powers at hand. 
And I'm going to do it in love. I'm going to do it in love. Paul writes uh, this to uh, the church at Corinth. And, and, and excuse maybe some of my passion right now, but some of the... Oh, man, we just don't... You know what, you know what really stirred Jesus up? What stirred Jesus up was not wrong politics or anything like that. What stirred Jesus up were people who were called to represent God and they did it from an unpure heart. They did it from a place that's just like, man, you are not representing God at all. And yet you're putting yourself in a position saying you're representing God. And Jesus is like, nah, that stirs me up. That fires me up. When you are representing this God of love, my father, in an ill manner, in an unwell way, that fires me up. And so Paul had to like write this, um, some of this instruction to this church at Corinth, and it's a reproof epistle. And you know, everything we read in Scripture isn't wasn't like they're all perfect, right? We get that. So Paul's writing in what's called um, this church epistle to it's a letter written to this church at Corinth. And these people have received the Holy Spirit and they're growing just like we're growing here in our understanding of now how to like live and think in the Spirit, set our minds on the Spirit. And Paul writes this um, in um, 1 Corinthians 2, 14 through 16. He says, someone living on an entirely human level rejects the revelation of God's Spirit for they make no sense to him or it's folly or foolishness to that person. He cannot understand the revelations of the Spirit because they are only discovered by the illumination of the Spirit. Those who live in the Spirit are able to carefully evaluate all things. Those who live in the Spirit are able to carefully evaluate all things, and they are subject to the scrutiny of no one but God. For whoever has um, intimately known the mind, he says, for who has ever intimately known the mind of the Lord Yahweh well enough to become his counselor? Christ has. And we possess Christ's perceptions. Because we have received the spirit of Jesus Christ, we now can perceive things the way that Jesus perceived things, which is pretty awesome. And we get to perceive spiritual matters. It's almost like we get to now see in, in color and we get to see multidimensional. You know, you get to see a view and a side of things that you just, you just didn't have before, that the world doesn't have. And that's why it says, you know, if, if, if you're entirely living on, in the flesh or in the five senses realm, in the natural person, that is that person who is under that death sentence with lack of spirit, where you don't have any spirit nature in you. The things of God, the things of the spirit, revelations from God, is just foolishness. It just, doesn't, it, it just doesn't make sense. That's why trying to explain the gospel to some, sometimes the people and, and the things of God, it's like, I really have to, I have to understand that, man, it's, it's really out there for you. Sometimes what, the things that I share probably sound like a fairy tale to you. But the most amazing thing is, is the power of God is, is at work in living. See, like the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit and the wisdom of God and the revelations that I've received in the Holy Spirit have changed my life. 
have changed my life. See, it's so interesting. I was thinking earlier today while we were praying, I was thinking just like how some people, like we, 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 we understand worldly things and like natural things like the clouds, for instance. Like if I were to explain the clouds to somebody who doesn't know anything about the clouds, I'd be like, yeah, well, so there's this floating water and um, it, it, it moves a lot and um, every moment um, it, it's, it's, it's a different snapshot. You know, it, it's, it's never the same, it's never the same. But this water just like floats up in the air and it's just been there. Like, it sounds kind of crazy, right? But yet, we trust and we understand that. We get it in the natural. And people who don't have the Spirit of God can understand and recognize, well, there's a cloud up there. But those of us who operate in the Spirit, it's just like we, we have the ability to discern things that the world just doesn't understand. And, um, and it's only through a life of, 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 of truly living it that we get to, we get to really, really know the power of God and what life looks like in the spirit. One of my favorite records um, in the gospels is this woman at the well and she, Jesus is, they have this interaction and uh, she goes back and Jesus tells her all these things. He gets download revelation from God about, you know, all these men she's been with and she's freaking out and she goes back to the town and tells all the people, she's like, could this be the Christ? He's told me everything that I ever did. Like, this is amazing. And so the people from the town go see Jesus. They invite Jesus back to stay with them for a couple days. And they tell Jesus, this is one of my favorite lines. And, and I just, it so applies to um, um, uh, evangelism and just, just helping people know God more. They say this to Jesus. They said, we believe the woman's testimony. So we believe because of the woman's testimony. You know, we, we believe that you're the Christ because of the woman's testimony. They say this, but now we know. But now we know. And they know because they spent time with Christ. They spent time with Jesus. So like I can tell you about spiritual matters. I can tell you about these revelations that we get. We can tell these things to people. But it's only until we spend time that we then can say, Boy, I, I used to believe just because like I, I heard it. From other people. I've heard of the life change, but now I know. And that's just so sweet to me because this is, this is available for everybody, life in the Spirit. Um, I want to pick up reading. That was at the end of chapter 2 in Corinthians. Uh, th- this is chapter 3, the very start of it in verse 1. He says, Brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I found it impossible to speak to you as those who are spiritually mature people. For you are still dominated by the mind of the mindset of the flesh. He says, I found it so hard to talk to you from a spiritual standpoint because you were dominated by the mindset of the flesh. And because you are immature infants in Christ, I had to nurse you and feed you with milk, not the solid food of more experienced teachings, because you weren't ready for it. In fact, you are still not ready for it. For you are living your lives, again, dominated by the mindset of the flesh. Ask yourselves, is there jealousy among you? Do you compare yourselves with others? Do you quarrel like children and end up taking sides? If so, this proves that you are living your lives centered on yourselves, dominated by the mindset of the flesh, and behaving like unbelievers. (laughs) 
Paul's like working with this group. He's like, man, I want to I wanna help you, and I'm here to help you, but you, you, you're getting your butts kicked. You're getting your butts kicked because you are proving that you are dominated by the flesh, even though you behold the Spirit of Christ in you. And it's because of where you're choosing to fix your minds. And because of that, I can't necessarily help you too much. You have to let those things go. You have, every individual has to shift the focus to now being a vessel that beholds the Spirit and now takes direction from the Holy Spirit in what they do. Again, we behold the perceptions of Christ now. So how is Jesus handling that? How would he handle that? How would he respond to that? How would he type that? How would he post that? Would he post that? Would he concern himself with that? Is this something that is of, uh, does this involve me? If not, stay out of it. Is this something that God is going to handle for me? Yes. Am I self-centered here? Is this thinking self-centered or is it outward focused? If it's outward focused, we're living by the Spirit. It's the same type of mindset that Christ had. Even when Jesus had bad days, it wasn't like, poor me, poor me, poor me, poor me, God, poor me, God. It was like, just shift that focus outward. How can I serve you? How can I love you? How can I reveal the Father's love to you? Sometimes we feel like this in prayer, and I've mentioned this before. This doesn't, just because I'm living in, you know, and I endeavor to live in the Spirit doesn't mean I don't have days where I just find my prayer life, even my prayer life, is all about me. We gotta get, you gotta open up that. You have to be intentional with that. A way to flip that is just start praying for other people. Sometimes you realize, man, what am I praying for right now? It's about my day, my blessing, my, 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 my breakthrough, my, 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 my. It's like, get off of that. Just get off of you. And he says, you're behaving like unbelievers. Man, Jesus called us to be the light of the world. We look no different than anybody else when we, were, when we are operating in the flesh, when our mind is focused on the flesh, when your business deal doesn't go down and you're super frustrated, or when gossip happens in your office and you chime in, or when someone writes a post about a political stance and you jump all in on it too. Like, you look no different than the unbeliever. You look no different than the person who doesn't have hope, the person who's absolutely frustrated, the person who's not living in their purpose, and the person who is truly under that condemnation, that death sentence where there is truly no life in the things that they do. But you, we in this house, we endeavor to grow to be people who live in accordance to the Spirit. Let your light so shine that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let your light shine. When the mind's on the flesh, it's like taking that lamp and unplugging it from the wall. You gotta be plugged into the Spirit. Your mind is focused on what God's doing, how God sees a situation. And there's training in this because so, we've been so used to living a life in the flesh, or at least I have. Maybe you guys got it down, but I, 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 I've lived such a life of just being in the flesh, worrying about me, separate 
from receiving the wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy Spirit. This is great, though. In Titus 2.11, this is what's available now. This is what's available at Pentecost, or became available at Pentecost. It says, for the grace of God has appeared. It's here, guys. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people, bringing deliverance from that death sentence. For the grace of God, this is, this is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's now available to people. The grace of God has appeared. The Holy Spirit has appeared. And it brings salvation to all people. And what does this do? It trains us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions in this present age. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And it teaches us. And it teaches us to live self-controlled upright and godly lives. So it, this Holy Spirit, this grace of God that's available now, it trains us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. That desire you have to say something, the desire you have to do something, it trains you away from that. Oh, self-control. Because that's not going to represent God too well. That's going to look pretty common. And I'm called to be a light of the world. I'm called to behold something different. And the Holy Spirit, it trains us to live these godly lives. It trains us to live these self-controlled lives and these upright lives. And that, brothers and sisters, is what gives God the greatest glory. That is what he has designed and made forth and brought forth and made available to us on the day of Pentecost. So that we, me and you, We would be people that fulfill what God has always intended. And that's the people who walk not according to the flesh, but what? According to the Spirit. I'm going to pray with you guys. Father, I just thank you that the Holy Spirit is available to us, God, that you have shown us a different way to live. You've given us power, Father, from on high through Christ. And because of his great obedience, God, and I just thank you, Father, that you would just use the words that I've spoken as um, just, um, just a way to prompt us in those moments that we catch ourselves thinking in the flesh or fighting the desires of the flesh, to be inward thinking, to be um, just in the old way, Father, of missing marks. And so, God, I just thank you that righteousness would be found um, through our choices and through our decisions. And I just thank you for your word, Father, that... Um, your power would be made known in lives that look different. Lives that choose you. Lives that choose to put their mind on the Spirit. And God, I just give you glory in Christ Jesus' name. Amen.